Hello, everyone, and welcome back to your favorite podcast with your three favorite geniuses, by whom, of course, I mean Jacob, myself, and Throwback Frog, the three favorite geniuses that have run every episode of this podcast all year. <laughs> um, before we get into any sports-related talk, Throwback Frog, I believe you have an announcement about your new online shop, so why don't you take it away with that? For sure, for sure. First time I've said this, definitely no technical difficulties at all. Anyway, <laughs> I love uh, love frog stuff, love meme stuff. My shop that I have been using has been fun, been good for a while. But I found another one recently that I could upgrade uh, kind of my, my options to. So all it is is it's uh, one of those online stores where I can select products and then uh, upload my art, you know, a PNG onto it and then sell it. Well, then the place that I found right now uh, sells comfort color shirts, which is what I've always been wanting to do. Uh, but the problem before has been that they've been stupid expensive. If you guys think about, um, say, some other providers online that sell stuff on comfort colors, usually the shirts end up being like $35 to $45. Well, the, the one that I was able to find here, I'm able to sell these things for like under 20 bucks. So oh. that goes to like me. I'm not doing this as a job. This isn't like a career or like me paying for you know, my rent, anything like that from this. This is purely that I'm just trying to get some cool designs out there. Uh, TCU, uh, big fan of the frogs in Fort Worth and stuff like that. But there weren't that many retro vintage uh, designs. And then with stuff like uh, the vintage brand, Charlie Hustle, Homefield, that's kind of coming, that wave is coming back in. So I started doing some designs of my own. And now I've uploaded it to this new shop. There's cool stuff on there uh, that are, you know, pretty cheap uh, for what it is, you know, Comfort color shirts, like under 20 bucks. Uh, and then I've got uh, stuff uploaded on the flags too. So that's pretty sweet. So I have like a throwback frog on a flag. And then I've, of course, got my uh, really popular uh, Truck Stop 12, which is the new 16 teams for the conference. That one's taken off. A lot of people are really liking that. That's on shirts and flags. I can even put this on like beer bottles and stuff like that. So yeah, the, the new place, I'm sure you guys are going to put the link in here. Uh, go check it out. It's pretty neat. Um, you know, there's, there's not really any like financial gain for me. This is purely just getting some memes, some cool designs out there. I love walking around the games and campus and, and seeing people wearing shirts that, uh, that I made that, you know, they think that it's, you know, some frog, but really it's Barrett because I'm definitely Barrett and I've always been Barrett, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. So if you guys got any questions on that, um, that's pretty um, much it. It's, it's purely just a hobby and somewhere to, to get my art out there, my little meme art out there, and put it on some shirts. So we will put the link wherever we can, but in the off chance, we have no idea what we're doing. Would the easiest way to find it, just for people listening right now, if they look up your Twitter, Throwback Frog, will there be, is there a link there for them to find it? Yeah, so by the time this pod's over, I'm going to have the link to the website you want to be uh, official about it in my bio for my throwback frog so if you just search at throwback frog uh one word on twitter you'll be able to find it okay perfect so it will be in the podcast description or something but if for some reason you find that it is not because we don't know how to do that go search at throwback frog and get the link there as well just go to at throwback frog and follow him anyway i can't imagine oh thanks I can't imagine we have a lot of listeners who don't already, but regardless. Yeah. Yeah. And then if any of y'all go do that, if any of y'all want something uh, specific, I know that I've been DM'd 
a few times by guys saying, Hey, I'm wanting something like this. I'm, uh, my club, we're wanting to do this, uh, DM me, I'll see what I can do. And then I put that on my shop before uh, I know that whenever the Taylor Swift stuff happened last year, uh, with the new album, I made a uh, design incorporating like Hypnotoad and the new Taylor Swift album and put that on my shop for a little bit. And the sorority girls <laughs> ate it up. So if you guys ever like have something that, you know, you or any of the listeners to the pod ever have anything that, oh, I would really want to see something like this on a shirt, just DM me. Uh, I've been talking to a couple of guys the last few days about that too. So always feel free. And thank you again for the, uh, the shameless plug. Oh, it's, it's not a yeah. plug. It's Our not pleasure. a shameless plug. If we're the ones plugging it. You deserve it. You're awesome. Um, with that, we've got some breaking news that is literally breaking as this podcast is being recorded. It'll be a little less breaking by the time you hear it. Hold on. But- everyone, everyone really quiet. That is the perfect intro music for us to announce the breaking news that Joe Gillespie is fired. What are your thoughts, boys? In fact, we'll throw back. I know you particularly want to talk about this. We'll let you get a little more voice time in. Oh, Christ, please, please let me go last on this. Please. I'm I'm begging you. I just riffed for so long, stroking my own ego. What what are you thinking? Yeah, so this news, I originally saw it from Jeremy Clark over on the 24-7 board. just said Joe Gillespie has been let go. Um, spent two years as the Frogs defensive coordinator. Everybody who listens to this will know that. Uh, but what I didn't see on Twitter and what was said on the board is that uh, that the assistant coaches are being retained. So McFarland is staying. Um, Buckles is staying. And Gonzalez is staying. So those are our three, I think, main recruiters. So in terms of timing, it's weird. Like it's been almost two weeks since uh, since the season ended. I don't really know why it took this long. I mean, I'd heard things that Gillespie was tarmacked and fired like right after the Oklahoma game. And... Apparently it wasn't true, or maybe he was, and Sonny walked it back. I don't know. Um, but it, it's just a weird timing with recruiting ramping up, us trying to get trying to shore up our recruiting class, bring in new transfers. I, I don't really know why it was done now, but I'm not too worried about any of our recruits decommitting. I know Gillespie was loved. He's a great person by all accounts. I really feel for him in that aspect. But I'm not too, too worried because we're retaining all of the assistants. I think what this timing does mean, though, is that Sonny Dykes already has somebody lined up to take uh, Gillespie's spot. So... Look for that announcement to make be made, I think, relatively quickly. I'm really excited for that announcement. The other thing I will say is the timing, everything being weird. Obviously, I've been a Kendall Bryles hater this whole season on this podcast, so I probably myself would have rather seen him go. But the reality of the matter, when I'm being really objective, is that our defense lost a lot more games than our offense. And there were some that our defense won. But there were a lot that our defense lost. Our last game of the season, we gave up 70 points. 
And I remember sitting there a little under a year ago in LA with some drunk guy who insisted very wisely, as drunk strangers often do, that Gillespie has one year left. He gets the excuse of he didn't have his recruits yet. And if we still don't have a good dissidence by the end of next season, he should be gone. And the drunk old wise man was very right. The season came and went. We didn't have it together. I do feel for him, like you said, because I've heard, too, that he's a really good guy. I hope he lands on his feet. I'm, I'm sure he'll end up in a wonderful position, I hope. But it was time for TCU to move on. And we also had all that talk about how we're going to be a big boy program now that we've been to a college football playoff. And a big boy program fires their coordinators when they don't do their jobs. So as much as I, as much as the timing's weird and as much as like, I hate to see a good guy lose his job, the right time was at least weeks ago. So I'm happy to see us finally do it. With that throwback, what are, what are your takes now, now that we gave you a second to breathe? <sighs> okay. As, as my, uh, my many followers know, big time Kendall Bryles hater. Huge Kendall Bryles hater over here. Me and Boba carrying that flag. Big time. Okay. I think that during the season, we could all feel that at the end of the season, one of the two coordinators would be let go. I believe that it was going to be, I don't know. This is this is a pure vibes, okay? No research, no news, pure vibes. I think that the nail in the coffin for our defensive coordinator was that Oklahoma game. Yeah. All right. I I don't think that after that Oklahoma game, that knowing that we had to let one of the guys go, because before I think that the heat was was mostly on Kendall, where I think it should be. Because Connor, I'll disagree with you. I think our offense lost us more games than our defense did this year. And I go based off of our average points that we scored last year. If we would have scored our average points last year with the defense that we had this year, we would have been like like eight and four or like nine and three. So we had multiple times this season where our defense got to stop Colorado, West Virginia, where our defense got us a stop and we had the ball at the end of the game and we couldn't do it on offense. Now, granted, that's statistics and you know math and that can all be skewed. I do not think that the defense was good. I've gotten a lot of hate online for people thinking I'm a, a Joe Gillespie fanboy. Uh, I don't have anything against him. I don't have anything for him. I don't think our defense was good, but I definitely think our offense was the main issue whenever we're scoring uh, over the course of multiple weeks, we consistently scored less and less points as it went on up until the uh, up until the BYU game. Every week up until the BYU game, our offense scored less points the week after itself. So my bad news bears is that we let go of Joe Gillespie because I think if we let go of Joe Gillespie, then we don't let go of Kendall Bryles. A boy can hope, a boy can dream. However... However, I think that that's going to be the one and we're going to be stuck with Kendall Bryles next season. Um, I know all the the love that Kendall Bryles gets with, oh my gosh, look at how many yards we have, to which I respond, if you're putting up 500 yards in the game and scoring 10 points, or if you're putting up 200 yards in the game and scoring 10 points, what's the benefit of the yards? If we can't score, it doesn't mean shit. So what do you got on that? 
I was just going to say, you're not going to have to worry about Kendall Riles getting love, at least on a podcast I'm on. Oh, I know. I, I get it a lot on get it a lot online. But I, I think the the defense stuff. Now, here's my question for y'all. A lot of times, it's talked about in the scheme. Well, the scheme's the problem. The scheme's the problem. The scheme's well. The scheme last year got us to the natty. Okay, we got our ass handed to us in the natty. Yes. However, the scheme last year beat Michigan. Gave up a lot of points to Michigan, but Michigan never led. Undefeated Michigan never led in that game. So my question to y'all is, would you want to, as some people are calling for online, would you want to see a scheme change back to a 4-2-5, or would you want to stay with a 3-3-5 and find a guy to run a 3-3-5? For me, I don't actually have any problems with the 3-3-5. I think when it works, it works really, really well. I think that the players we had last year, it didn't necessarily, it didn't work very well with. It was, especially on the back end. I think to run a three-three-five, you really have to have a solid group of safeties to to watch for yourself. And I think our safeties relatively underperformed over the course of the year. We had some great plays at times, but overall underperformed and same can be said for the cornerbacks besides Josh Newton. We didn't really have a solid number two. And when you can't, when you can't cover receivers, it's going to make the defense look bad. We also failed to get pressure on the quarterback a lot. Right. So really I don't give a crap whether we run a three, three, five or a four, two, five or whatever. If we're getting pressure on the quarterback, that's what I'll be happy about. Doesn't matter what the scheme is. I think our players at this point, since we have two years of Gillespie recruits, they probably fit the three-three-five better. But that can always be changed, as we saw two years ago when we went to the Natty. So just get pressure on the quarterback, make things happen. DBs can't cover forever. You also got to help your guys out. Also, I didn't really like the lining up 10 yards off of scrimmage. Yeah. On third and three. Yeah, that's where the scheme comes in. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would like to see some more press coverage. We have long corners. We have big corners. They're athletic. Get up on the line, push the receivers around a little bit, see what happens. I'm with Jacob on that. I'm not one of the guys who's particularly against the 335, but I'm also not particularly for the 335. I want something to work. And this year it didn't. Um I will say though. Yes, Michigan never led, but that's a lot more credit to our offense last year than it was to the defense against a Michigan. No, no, on Michigan's first drive, we got that fourth down stop. Uh, no, I mean, the, the defense did a very good job. I mean, we got two pick sixes. Obviously, we did a good job with our defense, but all the same, Michigan put up a significant number of points on us. For and sure. The defense held where it mattered, but... That was not a national championship caliber defense. It was a national championship caliber offense with a good enough defense. Agreed. Agreed. And that's my response to the Joe Gillespie stuff. No, I don't think that it was ever an elite defense. Now we have to be careful as frogs because we have been used to for a generation TCU being a, if not one of the best defensive teams in the country. Like year in and year out, our defense was always, you know, up there, really good. So 
you know, folks knew that this was going to happen when we kind of switched philosophies over to an offensive side, because you're going to have a whole bunch of people that all they've seen for their entire life or the last 20 something years has been TCU being a wrecking ball on defense. I'm fine with the three, three, five. I think that the three, three, five, one of the big reasons they switched to it is it's from what I understand, it's easier to recruit for because it's hard to get big guys and simple monkey brain math only need three big guys for three, three, five versus need four big guys for four, two, five. So, you know, you're saving a quarter of your, you know, your line recruiting there. Now, how much that actually factors, I don't know, but that's what I understood was a big part of the defensive scheme originally was to make it easier to recruit for. And then on top of that, we are having to recognize that the defense that we get, we, the, the defense that we get is not supposed to be Iowa. It's not supposed to be OG Gary Patterson. It's not supposed to be a defense to where we're holding guys, holding other teams to like 10 points a game. You know, this is supposed to be a defense that allows points, but restricts uh, the other team in scoring enough for our offense to do its job. Now, if our offense is not doing its job, then our defense just gets schwacked. So we, we have to be careful in how we're looking at it because I know that there's a lot of folks that just want to see us start like shutting out people again, like we did under GP. I don't think that that's going to happen here because that's not our focus. Our focus here isn't to hold to these low scoring games and outlast uh, other teams in some like, you know, 10 to seven slugfest. Our focus here is for the defense to, you know, allow 20 some odd points a game, but our offense still win by 30 because we're scoring so much. Yeah, I think that's one another area that we failed this year is Gillespie and Sonny. They made it pretty clear in press conferences, just hearing them talk, that they were okay with giving up points. Where they really wanted to win was the red zone. Right. This year, we just didn't we win did, in the red yeah, zone. We didn't win in the red zone at all. And we didn't really win out of the red zone in some games this year as well, where there were just long touchdowns. I think all around the team kind of just wasn't good this year, whether that's solely on the defense, solely on the offense, like you were saying, throwback. It's not solely on either. If football is a complimentary game, if one person had to go, like Connor said, I think the nail in the coffin was the Oklahoma game, allowing 69 points in that game. Nice. 40. Nice. Nice. 40. Five, I think, to Colorado, 65 to Georgia. I think those those games just can't happen. Right. I will give them props, though. Like, when we played Texas, maybe it's our players coming to play when we play Texas. But holding the Texas offense to three points. Bijan Robinson to 29 points – or 29 yards. Exactly. And then I think they had, like – they had 29 points this year. Yeah, so – they it can work it can work and it did work in some games and it just didn't in others another thing i don't think we saw this year were the halftime adjustments yeah exactly that that was what probably disappointed me most this year in gillespie was that i had heard a lot of big talk before the season about us supposedly having some tricks up our sleeves for halftime adjustments and then nothing ever happened right there would be some yeah. spots where we come out of halftime, like uh, how we came out of halftime against Oklahoma back before that got 
super far away from us. In that third quarter, we were actually able to yeah. do some work. But really, I feel like it was in the fourth quarter last season is where our defense really just started shutting people out. Um, yeah. That's where a lot of games started to get uh, turned in our favor was in that fourth quarter. And, you know, I think at Texas Tech and how all of a sudden we just go from it being a close game to just blowing Tech out of the water in the last, like, 10 minutes of the game. And then none of that happened here. We would have like a good momentum uh, swing from, uh, you know, coming out of half against Oklahoma. And then our offense would stall out or something else would happen. We'd allow some big play and then it'd be a three score, like three touchdown game again. So let me ask this. Oh, go hit it. Yeah. I was going to say, and that goes back to the offense last year being so good that it forced the opposing team to throw the ball. And we had two lockdown corners, right? So again, complimentary football. So what do y'all think? How do I ask this? Do you think that we go, uh, where do you think we hire a DC from? That's my question. Uh, this is a question since it just happened. I haven't looked at many DCs. I would say I have um, no idea who's available. Oh, no, not, not a who, but kind of a where. Do you think that we grab – Joe Gillespie was a head – was a head coach before he was our defensive coordinator. Uh, DC. He was the DC. I thought that he was the head coach at Tulsa. No, he no. was Tulsa's no. DC. Yeah. Okay. So throwback frog, as per usual, spreading misinformation. So <laughs> do you think that we grab a head coach of a, a G5 or a, a low level G5 and put a head coach in there? Or do you think that we grab a existing defensive coordinator from a power conference or do you think that we grab a, uh, you know, like a positions coach and elevate that positions coach to a defensive coordinator, like grab someone's, you know, safety coach from another school and bring him in over here? Which one of those would y'all be the most comfortable with? I have no evidence and no justification for this, but I think we grab like a group of five defensive coordinator, kind of like Gillespie was, and bring him here. That's what I think too. Yeah. So there are a couple. Unless we're grabbing like a safeties coach from Bama or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't think it's going to happen. It's got to be. This this is a move that has to be an upgrade. It can't be a lateral lateral hire. When has TCU ever lost a coordinator and made a lateral hire at a very important offensive position like offensive coordinator? I'm sorry. Keep going. I mean, I can't answer that question because it's never happened, <laughs> hands down. But I think I think it's got to be – it has to be a Power 5 coordinator, I think. Or it's one of those Power 5 coaches who was a defensive guy who got fired. There are a couple of them this year. Um, I think Arizona State might have had one who, who got let go. Zach Arnett is a name that's being tossed around mm-hmm. right now. Um, you know, it, it's just, you're talking about a power five head coach who was defensive minded. No, no, no. A power, oh, yeah. a, a power five head coach who was defensive minded, who was fired. Oh, okay. so who yeah. isn't a head coach anymore because he's gone. Yeah. So a list that I was looking at was, uh, for Penn state. And I know that I'm just riffing on this and whenever you guys want to talk basketball, shut me up. Yeah. We probably I, was looking, need to in a minute. I was looking at Penn state 
since they lost their defensive coordinator and Penn State has like the number one defense in the country, right? They lost their defensive coordinator to be the new head coach. So now Penn State is looking for new defensive coordinators. So I was just looking on that list and I mean, it's, it's names that, you know, you don't really recognize because um, a lot of the, the bigger defensive guys have been picked up at other places. Um, I know that Kansas State's guy was on there. Uh, the dude that was fired from USC was on there, which I think is hilarious because that's the guy that was getting outed like every <laughs> yeah. game for having the worst defense imaginable. So anyway, uh, that's definitely something to watch. But let's move yeah. into basketball. I would say yeah. that'll be interesting. Yeah. We do have to move into basketball. Um, TCU lost to Clemson 74 to 66. What happened, Jacob? Well, it was a tough game overall. I thought we had a good start to the game. You know, the first, first five to ten minutes were really good. We were forcing turnovers, running. Clemson was really only staying in the game because they were shooting the lights out. Um, Clemson looked really out of sorts. Uh, Girard, their Syracuse transfer guard, he's the one that kept them in the game with some off-ball screens. Um. And ultimately, I thought the first half of basketball was the best fundamental basketball we'd played all season. It, it, it was really fun to watch. We didn't shoot well, and that trend continued throughout yeah. the game. But in terms of actually fun basketball to watch as a basketball guy, it was really entertaining. Um, the second half just kind of went from bad to worse. E-Man started off, I think, with four quick points, and those were really the only field goals we scored in the first eight minutes, nine minutes of the half. We we could not score. I felt like we couldn't make a single basket, and we actually couldn't. I think we made 19 shots the entire game. That's awful. Yeah, and like nine or ten or, 10, 10 or 11 of them were in the first half. I remember in the second half when the more or less sketchy call put PJ Hall at four fouls and they had to take him out. I was watching. I was like, okay, this is it. He's out of the game. This is going to be when we rally right at the end, just in time. It's when he's out. And honestly, we, we had the shots to do it. Like we, we just didn't make any of them. Like literally yeah. in that entire gap where he was out, just nothing happened. We missed everything we were able to make happen. We missed. Yeah. And it we, was- we did kind of come back. We were down by 15 and we got it down to like six points at one point. Right. And then there was that goaltending call that was not goaltending on cork. Yeah. And that was the turning point. When, because we were making a comeback when that goaltending call happened, it put them back up by eight. We flipped between six and eight for like a little bit because of free throws, but that was the real turning point. We were never able to recover after that. Ultimately, though, I thought we deserved to lose. Clemson was the better team. I in this 100% game. agree. I, I sent in our group chat that morning when they shifted the line to have us be picked to win by a point and a half. I was already pissed that the line was even at one point. And even when it was only Clemson by two and a half, I was a little upset because I really felt like Clemson was a better team. And if we won, I wanted the credit for beating a better team. And if we lost, I wanted to be able to say, well, yeah, they're a better team. 
But that line kept it way too even and then tipped right to us at the very end. And I hated seeing that. And then I know Barrett even said back that uh, his take was that Clemson is the better team right now and TCU is going to get there. But right now, Clemson's the better team. And he's, he's right. And it showed last night. Like, yeah, TCU down the line could be a team that can win that game. But Clemson, there's a reason they're undefeated and there's a reason they beat Bama. They were absolutely the better team last night. This was the first game that I thought Uday played well. I thought he played really well. I, I was I was happy. I thought he played good defense, actually, on P.J. Hall for the most part. Um, Hall knocked down two threes from, like, way behind the line. That was incredible. He's definitely NBA bound. But I thought he played well on both sides of the court. He had 10 rebounds. We've been harping on him for not getting rebounds before. He, like, t- I think the 10 rebounds matched his total for the previous, like, five games. So 10 rebounds, six of them were offensive. He got like three offensive rebounds in the first two minutes of the game. And I think that really set the tone for him. I think that he might be one of those hustle guys for where if he can get the his hands on the ball early on the glass, that'll roll and continue for the game. He had four points, got to the line four times, shot 50% from the line. I'm wondering if they may, might need to um, experiment with the granny shot for him. <laughs> Because, man, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And Uh, by the way, I'm saying it right now, independent of whether or not it makes us better at basketball. If he walks out on the court and takes a granny shot, I will donate $50 to NIL. (laughs) (laughs) Right now. Yeah, uh, and I will, and I will make it a shirt. I will, I will make Throwback Frog with a Granny <laughs> Scott. I will absolutely do that. It'll honestly it'll be the singular best sports moment TCU's ever had. <laughs> but I've seen it time and time again, though, where a guy is terrible at free throw shooting, switches to the Granny Shot, automatically bumps his percentage up by ten to fifteen points within the first year of him doing it it's incredible the best free throw shooter in history used a granny shot Uh, other players in this game nobody else really played great i mean you just look at our total for the second half we basically scored off of free throws um jameer nelson yeah right But Jameer Nelson struggled. There wasn't really any flow to his game. He tried to force a lot. He only had one turnover, which is a plus, but he was two for 12 from the field, and he shot five threes. He did not come in as a three-point shooter. He has never really been a three-point shooter, at least a knockdown one. He can make one from time to time. I thought he forced and took way too many. He had one from the corner where he was open, caught the ball, shot. I think he hit the side of the backboard. And unfortunately, like that was the one he missed the worst, but that was the best shot that he took. That was a three. Um, it's just I, I he didn't play well. Miller played hard. He missed he our whole team. We just got to stop missing gimme layups. We got to stop missing layups. Left so many points um, on the on the court. Can't miss layups. But Miller played hard. He was our leading scorer again. Um, it was good to see him kind of show out in front of his hometown crowd. 
PV started off really well um, the first 10 minutes when we were forcing turnovers. And then we stopped forcing turnovers. And really, when we stopped forcing turnovers, our entire team ground to a halt because yeah. we couldn't run. Well, and that that's the other thing. We're normally such a fast-paced, moving, quick-break offense, and we were nothing. We, we were yep. slowed to a halt. And yep. that once we got slowed down, there was nothing we could do. Yeah, and even in our half-court offense, the guys that we normally rely on to make shots, a la Peavy, Miller, Coles. Coles wasn't making shots yesterday. He had his worst game of the season by far, in my opinion, and he was completely outplayed by uh, the Shefflin guy, who I thought was the exact same person as Coles. Like, kind of stout, doesn't really not, – not the most, like, athletic guy, but just does the fundamentals really well. Props to Shefflin. He was the best player on the court last night, in my opinion, not P.J. Hall. It was Shefflin. Dude was lights out. I think he's going to be an X factor for Clemson this year. Ultimately, I think Clemson overall, man, the way that they were able to control the game, slow the game down, it's the same way that they beat Bama. They play their game. They don't let anybody else dictate the game. They're going to get their shots. They're a three-point shooting team. They proved that. And I was really impressed by the way they played basketball. It was just good, fundamental basketball. It's the old Sun Tzu quote, never let the enemy decide the field of battle. Clemson very much walked in and said, we are going to decide how this game is going to be played. And you're either going to beat us on our terms or you're going to lose completely. Correct. Yep. That's exactly what happened. We couldn't beat them on their terms and we could not bring it back to ours. Yeah. Dixon was completely outcoached. Um, I don't remember what the Clemson coach's name is, but when we got PJ Hall in foul trouble, we had an opportunity, like you were saying. Clemson moved Shefflin to the five. We kept Coles on him or Miller on him. But we still had a big on the court to guard like their other kind of forward guy, Wiggins. But Wiggins was playing on the perimeter the whole time, which then drew Uday or Cork or Mustafa out of the paint where they're supposed to be and most useful to us and left Coles and, or Miller, who were getting absolutely dominated by Shefflin. It was like watching the old guy at the wreck take on the super athletic, like 20 year old and just use all the post moves, utter domination. It was really impressive, honestly, but I don't know why, why Dixon didn't move our big to guard Shefflin force Shefflin out of the paint. And maybe he puts Wiggins in there, but I'd rather have Miller or Coles guarding Wiggins. Cause Maybe that would have done something different and made Shefflin a non-factor on the offensive boards because that's where he did a ton of damage to us. And let's be honest, if our bigs aren't useful as a rim protector, they're not particularly useful on the court because we don't ever throw the ball inside to them on offense or we don't even look to throw the ball inside on offense. So, either switch the big man onto the guy in the middle where he can be of use protecting the paint or take him off, run the small ball with Coles at the five, get some more shooters on the court who can maybe make a comeback. I think when, when Dixon didn't do that, I was disappointed. I thought his in-game adjustments, there weren't any of them. And we, we just, we just got out, outplayed, outcoached. 
deserve to lose the game. We just got beat. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. That's, yeah. I, I have nothing to add to that because that's exactly what happened. Same here. I don't think it's the end of the world. I think that's the nice thing no. about basketball. It's like baseball. Yeah. You know, I, I don't, I, I, I did see some people from, from some burner accounts be like, uh, you know, this is exposing the fraud of this team. We've been mid, uh, we've been bad. We've only beaten some, some bad teams. Like dudes, this time last year, who'd we already have a loss to? Northwestern State. I've been exactly. saying that this whole podcast, the past like, couple episodes, is people are complaining about us beating bad teams. Last year, we were losing to bad teams. I'm very And happy we still got into the tourney and still had a pretty good run. Like, yeah, this isn't well, supposed to be a natty team. This is supposed to be a team that's going to get us into the tourney and have yeah. some fun and call exactly. it a day. Like, let's be realistic here, you guys. Well, and oh, that's yeah. the mindset where people are getting upset and saying this is exposing the fraud. Last year's TCU football team, when it got accused of fraud, it we were saying we're a playoff team, and they were saying we were frauds because we're not. What we're doing this year, no one can accuse us of fraud because what are no one in TCU is claiming we're like a top four team in the country here. We're claiming we're a good team that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I, I I really don't like it when they're like, oh, but we we should have high expectations for this team. A second round NCAA tournament berth, I feel like it's high expectations. That's, yeah, but, that's... but that's also a reasonable expectation. If you want us to get past the second round, we got to get to the second round first. We've never been past the second round. Right. Now, I think that's the so, difference on, on like, uh, you know, your fan vibes. Obviously, fan vibes, you're going to win a natty in every sport we play in, and we're going there every year, uh, never die. And then you have your realistic expectations. Like if you're going business mind on it, like, like if you're going on the mindset of, should we keep this, uh, this coach? Um, how is Dixon doing? I think that Dixon's doing great. We're having a kick-ass recruiting class. Uh, we've been to the, uh, the big dance, like what, two years in a row? Past two years. Yeah. Past I mean, this is, this is huge. Yeah. That's I all you can ask say, for. As a guy who's been a TCU fan for 26 years, it shows who just showed up the past few years because I watched a lot of basketball seasons. Oh my God. Yes. Like there were much lower expectations than anything we could imagine now. <laughs> yeah. If I had one gripe with Dixon, I would say it would be the half court offense. Cause when we're not forcing turnovers, our defense can only hold them for so long. I thought we played good defense last night. We only allowed 74 points. That's a good defensive performance. Well, and especially considering our defense has been a weak spot this season. Right. We've basically allowed 74 points from teams who are way worse than Clemson. Like, holding them to 74 points was a great job. Yeah, agreed. We just need the offense to catch up. We brought in Tennyson to hit shots. We brought in Nelson and Anderson to drive into the paint, get penetration, score. They didn't do that last game. I blame the court in Canada because that court looked awful on TV. So it had to have been awful to play on. Canadians. And yeah, once we get once we get back to Fort Worth next week and play Arizona State, everything's going to be A-OK. -okay. Um, I'm looking forward to see how we play against Arizona State. Uh, I know the expectations were high for TC basketball this season. 
like I said, probably second round of the NCAA tournament. High expectations, uh, maybe top four in the Big 12, top four, top five. Um, when you suffer a loss like we did and just get kind of dominated in every aspect of the game and your expectations were high, it takes a strong mentality and strong mental toughness to uh, to get back on your feet. I'm looking forward to seeing if we have that against Arizona State, and I think that will tell me how we will play the rest of the season and then right. what to expect from there on out because – Will I? I'm, will we succumb to the pressure, or will we rise above it? Right. Yeah. Does it become a slide, or is this just a, a one-off thing? And and to to be perfectly clear, like Arizona State is not an awful team, so you know a, a loss to them isn't a problem. That oh, you lost to Arizona State. The problem would be oh boy, now it's looking like you just lost two in a row. So really, that's what you're wanting to keep from. Well, and I, I suppose I probably should save this for a minute later, but not only are they not an awful team, they've got a bone to pick with us. Right. We yeah. we knocked them out of the March Madness and were a pending conference opponent. They're yeah. coming with their A game. But I'll we'll save that for a minute from now. All right. Let's get into some picks for the week. We've got, same as usual, we've got a couple kind of gimme Big 12 games because it's early. Then I've got three bigger games going on around the country, three most important games of all, and then our mystery game. So, uh, first, Do you know the score from last week? I do. Uh, last week ended at Connor, 16 points, because I won our mystery game, which I'll get into in a second. Jacob, 14 points, and Barrett, 11 points. And I won our mystery game where I picked team two, who was Yale, who received 95 points over Colby Sawyer with 36 points. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Colby. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So going into this week, uh, Jacob, who is winning, Arizona State or TCU? I'm going to go with TCU. Bounce back. Mentality monsters. Throwback. Who's winning? Frogs. You are both correct. Go Frogs. All right. Oral Roberts at Texas Tech. Jacob. I'm going to take Texas Tech here. I think Oral Roberts has decreased since losing Max Asmus. Throwback. I fear that Oral is not prepared for the rash. Wreck him. <laughs> that was so good. All right. I'm not on good terms with Texas Tech right now, so I'm going with Oral Roberts. <laughs> LSU at Texas, Jacob. Also, same as last week. I'm saying at. I have no idea what of these games are like weird neutral. They're listed as. Yeah, you get it. I got you. Texas Uh, Texas is going to win this one. They suffered a really embarrassing loss to Marquette and bounced back in a big way in their last game. They'll continue to do so against a kind of middle of the road LSU team. Uh, Throwback. The second one. Texas. Texas? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I've lost way too many points in football season picking against Texas in this game. I'm going with Texas. Um, Kansas at Indiana. Jacob. I'm going to take Kansas. Kansas here easily. Easily. Throwback. Big Twelve. Go. I'm with both of you. Kansas. A and M at Houston. 
this will be a good game, actually. AM's a top 15 team. Houston's a top like two team, top three yeah, team. Yeah, it's going to be a game. It'll be a really good game. I'm going to take Houston since they're at home, even though it might be a tournament. All right. Throwback. Is this going to be the first game where is it is it at AM or at Houston? It's it, listed it, as at Houston, but also like I don't know if it's like I'll it's be able to tell you in one second. Okay. Um scores. So long as it's not at AM. No, it's definitely not at AM. It's either yeah, no, at it's Houston at or it's a uh neutral court. Okay, sweet. Then uh second time. Big 12 go round two, electric boogaloo, go Um, Houston. All right. Well, I said in the beginning of basketball season that I thought Houston was going to end up underwhelming. I'm going to pick this game to be the first one where that starts to happen. Losing to A&M wouldn't really be underwhelming, but I'm taking A&M in this one. It's in Houston. Either way, A&M is going to show up just as big there because they're not that far away. I'm taking A&M. Um, UConn, uh, UConn Gonzaga, Jacob. Ooh, good game. Yeah. I'm going to take UConn though. Throwback. Huskies simply to support Michael Penis and the Huskies playing Texas. All right. I've got Gonzaga. (laughs) And then we've got Arizona Purdue, Jacob. Oh, this is the best game of the non-conference slate easily. I think I'm going to take Arizona just because they looked so dang good against Wisconsin this weekend. I know Purdue has Zach Eady, but Arizona, man, they can make shots in bunches. I think they'll take it. Throwback. Arizona was one of the easiest uh, mascots to design whenever I was doing my new Big 12 uh, uh, truck stop thing. So uh, go Arizona. Um. To quote a wise man who's spoken already on this podcast, Big 12 go Burr, I'm going with Arizona. UNC Kentucky, Jacob. I think Kentucky takes this one. I think UNC are frauds. They were last year. They are this year as well. Uh, Throwback. I just flipped a coin and it said neither, so I'll go with Kentucky. (laughs) All right, I'm going with Kentucky also. I really don't know much about either of them. I know they're both supposed to be good, but if our uh, resident Wiseman from North Carolina says they're frauds, I'm going to take his word for it. So I will go with that. Now we are on to our three-point round. We have Gallaudet at Longwood. Um, well, you know, Gallaudet has that new freshman shooting guard. Gallaudet does I've heard have is- a new freshman <laughs> I've heard he's pretty pretty good. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Gallaudet. Throwback. If the wood is long, then they've got my vote. Well, <laughs> in a similar trend, when I used to work for the State House of Representatives, there was a guy named uh Brian Pitts, and he would speak on every bill in the entire house, almost everyone. And it was always a big deal when you saw Brian Pitts talking. And Brian Pitts had a catchphrase that every aide in the state house knew. Brian Pitts would yell, if the bill is long, it must be wrong. So in Brian Pitts' fashion, I think if the if the wood is long, it must be wrong. So I'm actually going against it here and going with Gallaudet. Um, next, we have got an in-state rivalry. We have North New Mexico versus New Mexico State. 
Ooh, a directional school versus a state school. Easy yeah. pick. Easy pick. Come on. Tough matchup. However, the fighting Jerry kills. There we go. Will show up and win the day. All right. We've got that for Jacob. I'm assuming from your response throwback, do you agree? How funny would it be if I just picked the other one? But yeah, fighting <laughs> Jerry kills all the way. All right. Well, here's the thing. I don't know that Jerry Kill will be at this game. So I'm going with the directional school, North New Mexico State. Or North North New Mexico. But I do want to put the qualifier, while I can't get the points, I'm picking North New Mexico. If Jerry Kill attends the game, I expect my team to lose. I'll I'll message him on Twitter and see if he's going. (laughs) We have Tuscaloom, Tuscalum. Against ETSU. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with ETSU because it's the one that I've heard of. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think uh, Tenok Teklon has definitely got this one <laughs> in the bag. One of the largest cities in the world at its time. It's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I am with throwback on this one. I have looked much into the the city at its time. Looked much <laughs> into. We, we are restoring Tusculum to its former glory. <laughs> All right, last but not least, mystery game. XL has picked team two for me. Jacob, who are you riding with? I'll go with team one. All right, and throwback. Uh, Team two, screw it. Let's go. I don't know why you were calling him throwback this whole time. It's Barrett. You could just call him Barrett. It depends on which one of my split personalities you're going with. Also, for (laughs) what it's worth, because this is Barrett, I'm counting his picks towards Barrett's point score. As you should. Can we (laughs) re-pick? No, I think you you actually had most of them right with what Barrett would say, I think. He might have picked. What do you mean would say? I'm right here. With what Barrett would say. The voice modulator's off. You guys can stop faking. <laughs> All right. We have had our uh, our picks for the week. We've talked about Clemson. Now it is time to wrap it – or not wrap it up, but move into the the big thing, what everybody's here for. What should we expect from the game this week against Arizona State, Jacob? Arizona State 6-3 and three overall. They're coming off of a 84-89 to 89 loss at San Diego. And their best win is a 76 to 74 win against SMU. So props to them for beating SMU. Thank you for that. Um, I think they're not great. They're not terrible. They kind of ride that middle zone. They'll probably be on the outside of the NCAA tournament, but they could be fighting for a spot depending on how their conference season goes. Um, The one thing that is good for us, is that this team cannot shoot. They can't shoot free throws. They can't shoot three-pointers. They can't really shoot anything that aren't free throws or three-pointers. Their free throw percentage is, as a team is 61.8. That's awful. And their three-point percentage as a team, I believe, was less than, less than uh, 30%. Um, some players to we, to watch out for. Their best player is a guard. His name's Frankie Collins, uh, six foot from Sacramento, California. He's averaging 
just under 14 points per game, 6.1 rebounds per game, and 3.7 assists per game. He's in his third year, and he's one of two players to have started every game this year. He doesn't really score a ton of points, but he just gets a really consistent 10 to 19 points per game. He doesn't have like one game that's pulling his average up. He's a 45% shooter from the floor. He shoots 31% from three. And I think, nope, this next guy, Jose Perez or Jose Perez, he's their best three-point shooter out of the guys that play. And he shoots 33%. Um, but Jose Perez, 6'4 guard from the Bronx, uh, three, 13.2 points per game, five rebounds per game, 3.2 assists per game. He's a fifth-year senior. He either scores a lot or he doesn't score at all. So he's kind of the opposite of Frankie Collins. He shoots 47% from the field. Like I said, 33% from three. Last guy we need to pay attention to is Jemiah Neal. Had to make sure this was a guy, not a girl. Um, he's a 6'6 guard forward from Toledo, Ohio, averaging 12 points a game, six rebounds, and two assists. He's a third-year junior. Another consistent scorer. He did score 20 points in the loss to San Diego. Uh, and he shoots 40% from the field and 29% from three. Ultimately, I think we should dominate this game and win easily. That's looking at the paper. I haven't been able to watch much Arizona State basketball this year. They lost to San Diego. I'm not sure that I want to watch much Arizona State basketball this year. Um because that's San Diego and not San Diego State. Oh, San Diego is yeah. San Diego is not not really a great basketball team. I think they're like five and four Ooh. or something like that now. Um, like Connor said, Arizona State's going to have that chip on their shoulder. Future conference game, we beat them in the NCAA tournament on a last second shot last year. They're coming off a loss. We're coming off a loss that was kind of disheartening. All of the factors here are in the making for an upset. Let's hope that our guys bounce back mentally from the game and are able to dominate. Yeah, I, I don't think I have anything to add. My my real two cents of this was that they have a bone to pick with us, and that's going to make this interesting. But all things considered, you just ran through the stats and the numbers and the players. We should be able to win. Um, if we sh If we don't win – and we are on a two-game losing streak, even with the – I mean, I'll obviously be optimistic on the other side, saying, well, they had a bone to pick. There are reasons we lost. But if we don't win, it's time to start worrying about certain things as we start to get into that losing streak against non-fake teams. But at the end of the day, I do feel pretty comfortable that we'll win this one. I'm, I'm not particularly worried for the Frogs. Yeah, the big thing is is that they can't shoot. If yeah. we can pack the paint, force them to shoot, it should we we should be able to run away, get some long rebounds, start some fast breaks where we don't have to force turnovers the constantly. The only downside with that is that the basketball gods seem to bestow the ability to shoot absolute nonsense shots against TCU. So this <laughs> team that can't shoot is inevitably going to show up and just start shooting from half court this week. Well, you know why that is. <laughs> It's because of the downfall at Snoke Tech Lawn. If they come back, the <laughs> gods will be appeased. <laughs> this is S-tier thinking, you guys. He's playing the long game here. He's playing the back. long game. 
once we bring them back to their former glory. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else on Arizona State? No, I think that's pretty much it. Force them to shoot. If they get to the line, they can't shoot free throws either. So I'm not particularly worried. I'd like to see some more half-court offense from us this game. Just something other than fast break points and free throws as the source of our offense. Awesome. Well, with that, do you want to get into our quadrant tracking and our power rankings? Yeah, so on the quadrant tracker, we really only had one game this week. It was Clemson. It was a Q1 game. We lost. So we now have... (laughs) One Q1 win, I believe six Q4, or one Q3 win, six Q4 wins, and one Q1 loss on the season. Our game against Arizona State, they are ranked number 97 in the Ken Palm right now. That should be a uh, Q2 win if we win it. It's a Q2 game regardless because even though it's in Fort Worth, it's at Dickey's. So it's counted as a neutral site game. Well, then calling all frogs, we need to show up and make this neutral site game not a neutral site game. It is literally in Fort Worth. Yep. All right. And then you want to show us our power rankings and how they changed this week? Yeah, so there was a lot of movement in the power rankings this week, partially because Connor submitted something different than he had the the past two weeks. For the first time, I changed my rankings. Um, and here they are. If you're watching YouTube, I'll read them out. If you're not Houston at number one, they moved up one spot passing Kansas, who is now number two. Baylor moved up one spot to third. Texas is still third, but they're tied a spot with Bay or they're tied with Baylor because Baylor has better wins. They are, uh, they're in third. Texas is in fourth. BYU moved up one spot to fifth. If they hadn't lost to Utah, they would have been much higher on these rankings, I think. Unfortunately, they did lose to Utah. I've been riding BYU all season. I think they're going to be good. It was at Utah and a rivalry game. Exactly. I don't really blame BYU for losing that game too, too much. Oklahoma was a big mover. They moved up two spots to number six. Iowa State is at seven. TCU moved down two spots to eight. Cincinnati is at nine. Kansas State at 10. Texas Tech at 11. UCF at 12. Oklahoma State moved out of the bottom spot Woo! for the first time this season. They're at what 13. What did West Virginia do this week? Um, I, I don't think they did anything good. Well, I know, but what did they do? That was, so Oklahoma State lost to Southern Illinois. I want to know why why someone moved, how they managed to move up off of a Southern Illinois. Oh, uh, West Virginia beat Drexel by six. That's what they ah, did this week. Their nail-biter win over Drexel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nail-biter. So that is the best and only official power rankings in the world for Big 12 basketball. Um, Connor Barrett yeah, slash well, throwback. You got any thoughts? I'll, I'll uh, I've, I've got, I've got one thing that I just saw while we were doing power rankings. And I just wanted to throw this in here. Um, absolutely not a big 12 team, but have either of y'all seen what North Dakota state did in basketball, not in football? No, 
No. They just beat um what's this place called? Oak Hills Christian College Wolfpack. You guys want to guess what the final score was? I'm going to think it's like a James Madison 150 to like 50. 108 to 14. I'm absolutely devastated I didn't pick this as our mystery game. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe there was a Wolfpack playing. a, A Christian Wolfpack. And I didn't pick them as any one of our picks. I... To all of our fan, I apologize. North Dakota State just committed a war crime against these guys. Yeah, they won by 96. Uh, or 94. Weird. That's nuts. That probably hey, put them, what, Dakota like State. fourth or fifth in the Big 12? Yeah. Yeah. Something that's like insane. that. <laughs> For the week. Yeah. Well, um, my, my takes on the Big 12 power rankings, I will say, are – um. Houston, I moved up. I still think they're going to be disappointing. I don't have them above Kansas, but I'm not anchoring them as heavily as I was before. Um, Texas, I moved down after their Marquette loss. So that's, I mean, to be fair, it's a justifiable loss, but I still bumped them down because I am a Texas hater and I was given an opportunity to bump them down. BYU, <laughs> I wrote, voted, or I, I rated before the Utah game was over. And like you, what like we said, that was a rivalry game. We knew they were going to lose by the time I voted, but I I didn't care. I thought BYU didn't deserve to be punished that much for losing a rivalry game. I stopped being as much of a homer with TCU. I still think I'm rating them higher than you guys if they're at eight, but I did lower them on my list. No, actually, you had them at the you you and I you and I had them uh, at the lowest. Oh, really? Where did I have them? Uh, at ninth wow i was a lot less of a homer than i thought um and then the thing i disagree most with is oklahoma state moving up one i voted at west virginia at 13 and i actually wrote in a talent drop off and then voted oklahoma state (laughs) (laughs) so i i am an oklahoma state's hater this season and it's very easy to be that (laughs) yeah yeah, I think I might pick against Oklahoma State in just about every single game for the rest of the year. Yeah, they're rough. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else? Any last-minute thoughts on anything, throwback? Frogs continue to go. Brrr. Go check out my shop if you guys got free time and, like, 20 bucks to throw. Uh, for all of your one fan, Connor's mom, thanks for being here. <laughs> Enroll time. All right. Thank you to everyone who watched. Thank you, Mom, for watching from heaven. Have a it was, it was oh. a great episode. <laughs> 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 <laughs>